0: Hello, everyone. This is the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us today. On this episode, we're going to be talking about letters to the church. This is a new book out by Francis Chan. It's one that I picked up just a couple months ago reading it. It's very powerful. I decided also to take our church through this study on Wednesday nights as well. And so I hope that this will encourage you. If you've been joining us on Wednesday night, it's going to be a variation of that. If you haven't, been in the Wednesday night class at Grace Point Assembly of God Church in Carthage, Missouri, uh, then this will be awesome for you to go through the series of podcast episodes talking about letters to the church. So, today with me on this podcast and this episode, I have with me Zoe Johnson. Hello, Zoe. Hello. And Gabrielle Johnson.
1: Hello. I'm glad to be back.
0: And uh, they joined us on a couple of other episodes called Talking Church. It was Zoe and I, Gabrielle and I, and all three of us. So there's three different episodes, and so I thought it would be good to bring them back to join me on this series of episodes, podcast episodes, called Letters to the Church. And so um, what happened is I just thought I would start reading chapter one with them, and we're just going to interact. We're going to just talk about what this book has to say and what it's been speaking to us. So I encourage you. Pick up the book, Letters to the Church. It is a great book. I, I'm a Francis Chan guy, and I think it's a great book. Do you girls like Francis Chan?
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, very spiritual, very amazing, and very powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. So you like Francis Chan?
1: Yeah, he has a lot of great
2: con- content, and... I love how he centers everything around God and like he's always humbling himself as he talks about in the book how when he got to this point where he reached popularity, he had to draw back and humble himself. And I think that's awesome.
0: Good dude. Good dude. I don't know what your opinion of him is, but I like him and I just recommend the book. But we're going to talk through it and just give our thoughts about it. So starting off in chapter one, it's really just kind of his testimony, his departure from leaving the mega church and stepping out in faith into a completely different lifestyle and a new way of doing things. So, girls, give me your take. What was your, as we read chapter one the other day, what did you think as we went through that?
1: Um, I thought it was very cool that he moved to, uh, was it Asia?
0: Thailand, Asia, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I just thought that was very
1: cool. Um, You know, he took out, he took, excuse me, a random step of faith and decided to move to Asia. And uh, that was just a very, you know, crazy thing that he did. And people were wondering, you know, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And, you know, he just did what God called him to do, even though it may have seemed crazy to other people.
0: The one thing that he points out in this book that I think is powerful is that he really attacks how in America we're so consumed with success, with popularity, with fame, even in the Christian world, it seems like we're consumed with that. And he attained that. He became a popular author. He established a megachurch. And even that just, you know, it, he, he didn't like that. And he had to release that uh, because it was it was kind of tarnishing in some ways his faith, which he talks about in the book. But that's a great point that you bring up, Gabriel, that he was willing to take a step of faith. He was willing to decrease in a sense so that, so that Jesus could increase in his life. Zoe, what was your initial take on the book?
2: I think it was really cool how he said he reached this point where he was so popular and um, then God told him to leave the church he was pastoring and say, Well, the church doesn't need me anymore. It's going to grow without me. It's going to be okay. And sometimes in the church, we think that it's all about us and the church can't live without me. But he was saying, You know what? The church is going to be fine without me because it's not my church. It's God's church.
0: It's interesting, so many, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this, even though I'm not a mega church pastor, but it is true that sometimes and a lot of times churches are just built off of one person, one personality, one person's gifts. And I don't know that that is healthy for the church, and that's what he speaks about. So, anyway, Francis Chan in chapter one starts off with a very interesting thought. And I'm going to quote from the book. He says, Imagine you find yourself stranded on a deserted island with nothing but a copy of the bible you have no experience with christianity whatsoever and all you know about the church will come from your reading of the bible and then he challenges us with the question think about your current church experience is it even close how do you girls respond to that question
2: that's a a very tough question because sometimes we wonder if just Jesus would be enough for us. Some people, they need they need the whole thing. They need the lights. They need a big church. They need all the cool stuff. And then they forget that it's just about Jesus. And they forget that it's about having a relationship with him, not anything
0: else. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I think we play, I think we very much fall in danger of just playing the cool game or trying to be, so cool and so relevant to the culture that sometimes we lose the essence that church really is about pleasing the heart of God and not pleasing other people. Have you girls even as young people in ministry have you ever dealt with that or do you feel that's a struggle or, or have you seen that in the church?
1: Well, if if we truly, you know, our whole entire Christianity was based off of being on an island alone with only a Bible, then we would have all received the Holy Spirit by now because we wouldn't have had to think, oh, well, you have to come up to the altar and then you have to say this prayer and then you have to have these people lay your hands on you and you have to do this and this and this. We would have just opened up the Bible, read Acts, believe that God would fill us with the Holy Spirit and have been received with the Holy Spirit.
0: So does your church look like the Bible? And I got to be honest, in our church, even the church that I pastor, it's very convicting because they're, I would say times that it does, but then there are definitely times I fall in to that American trap where it's just about success. It's just about how many people did you have on Sunday? How big or small was the crowd? Uh, Did people like your message? Did people like you, et cetera, et cetera? How many likes or how many shares did it get on some social media platform? And so I want to challenge you with that thought. What? Does first of all, does your life does your life look like Jesus? And secondly, what does your church look like? Does it look like the Bible? If you can, if you sat down and read the Bible and looked at your church, is that what your church looks like, acts like, smells like, feels like? And I think it's a, a very thought provoking question for us, and also I think it's very convicting. Francis Chan goes on the in the next chapter um, where he begins to talk about how he left the mega church that he um he was first a part of we he, he was part of a megachurch on staff before he started his own church. And he talked about that the reason he left that church to start this house church that would eventually become a megachurch was that there was so much disunity there. It was pastor fighting against the elders and elders fighting against pastors and who was more right and who was more wrong. And I think that is a sad reality of so many churches today that there is just so much disunity in the body of Christ. And that really becomes a great hindrance. And it prevents us from being a powerful church. Now, I am a part of a pastor's prayer meeting. Uh, I have been uh, since I've moved here to Missouri. I was in Utah. And one of the things that's scary when I go to these meetings is sometimes uh, I'm talking about the, you know, we have the opportunity to share and be transparent and it's a sacred place where we know that we can share some things and it's not going to hopefully leak out of that room and they're not going to go run around and uh, expose, you know, some of our weaknesses or our fears or the things that we're sharing to other people. But the one story that drives me nuts over and over again is the store, the constant stories of disunity in the body of Christ. And that is frustrating. Now, girls, do you, what is your, what do you feel like, is your take or a lot of your friends take on church today? Or what do they think? What do your friends think of church today? Some of those kids that in youth group that, I mean, obviously you girls are following Jesus. You've made a choice to follow Jesus. But what about some of those friends or those people that you interact with that you know that are maybe not serving the Lord? Or what do they, what is their take on church?
2: Uh, Well, I have a lot of awesome Christian friends and they love the church. But then I have some friends who you know, they're not really into church and they're not really sure what it's about. And the saddest thing, it's it's because they've not really seen Jesus. They have not seen the church display characteristics of Christ, so then they're not attracted to the church. And it's really sad when um the church becomes so much about having it all having all the outward all the lights, every All that stuff instead of having the content. And I was very interested the other day. I was listening to a podcaster um, reading an article saying that um, Generation Z is the number one for like spiritual things. They're so open to spiritual things. And I feel like the church has watered down spiritual things to draw people in. And so then they're coming into church. They're saying, well, this isn't different from anything else in the world then what's different? What do I need? What do you have to offer me?
0: What about you, Gabrielle? What do you think your friends think of the church?
1: I really think that the church needs to be more filled with the, well, I mean, I think my friends think um, that the church needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, a lot of them, you know, desire the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. And, uh, you know, we just want the Holy Spirit and what he has to offer. And and we desire to seek God in his presence.
0: What does that mean to you more of the Holy Spirit or needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that experience encounter what is that someone like me who's a pastor of a church what is I'm gonna say what does that mean to be to be filled with the Holy Spirit more more of the Holy Spirit
1: Well mainly I'm t- like actually being filled with the Holy Spirit and, you know with the evidence of speaking in tongues being baptized in the Holy Spirit because a lot of my friends aren't you know baptized um, in the Holy Spirit.
0: Cool. The one thing that uh, I want to touch on that Zoe just mentioned a second ago, I remember one time I was talking to this girl who was not a Christian. She was not going to church. And I remember she had Christians around her inviting her to church. And, And I had a few conversations with her. And I remember saying this statement to her that I thought was powerful. Let me see what you girls think about it. But I kind of said to her, I said, I think the problem is, is that you've hung out with too many Christians and not enough disciples of Christ. And what I was trying to communicate to her is that I think she was just hanging out with all these kind of fringe Christians that kind of follow Jesus that, you know, that, you know, still like did a lot of things in their lifestyle that probably didn't honor the Lord. And I think she was looking at that being like, well, you know, I mean, I guess Jesus is okay, but I mean, I don't really see anything dynamic coming out of their lives that really, Draws me to Jesus. Do you guys think that's true?
2: Yeah, that happens a lot in the church today. Some people, they read about these powerful things, they read about miracles, they read about all these things, and then they go to church and it doesn't happen. Although these things are active today, and the problem is the church is not wanting to dive into these things. They're trying, instead of saturating, um, altar time with like God's presence and just wanting to dive in. They kind of want to keep it more simple and they're afraid of what people are going to think about, um, they're afraid that people are going to be creeped out or whatever by spiritual things of God and outpourings of the Holy Spirit, We're really in the Bible times, that's exactly what drew them in, is because there was something different. There was a different presence about their meetings. For example, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit broke out, they weren't like, some of them, of course, um, thought they were drunk, but then 3,000 were added to their number that day because they saw the evidence. They saw something different that no one else had.
0: There's a quote in the book that I think uh, connects to what you're saying just a second ago, Gabrielle. It says uh, Francis Chan was talking about in his church that uh, he founded and then became really popular and it became a megachurch. Essentially, he says in his book, when unbelievers came to our services, they weren't observing anything supernatural and I, you know, I think that uh, is what is missing in our churches today is the element of the supernatural, the the, the power of God really experiencing and encountering God. I mean, we can produce a good show. I mean, if we, uh, I've said this before, and, you know, if we have the right budget and the right lights and uh, the right worship team that is excellent, I think we can produce something that is very good, but is it powerful? Is, there, is it supernatural? And are, are they observing that? When people come into our church, are they observing and getting to see the literal power and presence of God? I want that. And I believe in that. I told our church that Sunday night is that I want to be a church that believes in miracles, that believes in the supernatural, that welcomes it. And I love, I love how you use that word. That's what I hope is that people who are not connected with Christ, they're not followers of Christ, that they can come to our gatherings, whether it's Sunday morning, it could be a small group. It could be whenever, but when we are gathered as the followers of Christ, they observe something supernatural. Is that kind of what you're getting to Gabriel?
1: Yes, definitely. We, you know, we don't often see miracles happening. Miracles should be happening in church on a an- weekly daily you know basis they should be happening all the time we should be able to you know see God's presence moving and 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 that's really what church is all about
0: the next uh quote that it comes out of the book that we we already touched on just a little bit but even Francis Chan himself said is that no church should be dependent on one person it's amazing that Um, And and I'm just going to throw out some names just for fun. You know, if you talked about Elevation Church, I love Elevation Church. Okay, so I'm not throwing them under the bus. But, you know, you typically think Stephen Furtick. If you say Lakewood Church in Houston, Joel Steen. And sometimes the danger is that these movements can be built around one person And that's not ultimately, I don't know if that's a healthy thing. So sorry, Stephen Furtick. Sorry, Joelstein. If you two are listening to this podcast, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. But what I am trying to say is that sometimes that we begin to build a structure around one person. And that's what really frustrated Francis Chan is like he was, he he said, I remember reading one other article. It's like, "I, I was tired of hearing my name more than the name of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the church, which we're gonna talk about in some of the later episodes, the church is a body of Christ and it's composed of many parts. I was just reading this in my Bible today in 1 Corinthians, that, that every part is essential to the whole, and that the body of Christ cannot function without all parts working together, and it's not just built on one person. What do you girls think about your generation that's going to come up and leading the church? Is that is that something we're going to keep seeing? Do you think there's going to be your generation is going to be different as you lead the church regarding that?
2: Well, I'm praying that our generation will see miracles that we will see outbreaks of the Holy Spirit and so our generation can be a spiritual generation, a Jesus minded generation. Um, and so that it won't be built around a person but that we will really be able to unite as a body as the body of Christ and I'm praying that our generation will be able to be leaders spiritual leaders for the upcoming generations.
0: Francis Chan in his book so again chapter one is kind of a it's kind of hard to do like a bible study sermon based off of it because it's really a lot about him just sharing his testimony, and how he got to the place that he's at today. But one thing that was really interesting, so Francis Chan, he's working at a megachurch. He leaves because there's disunity. There's the pastor fighting against the elders, the elders fighting against the pastor. He leaves. He starts his own church out of a house church. It then blows up and becomes a, a very significant a uh, mega church in that area in California. And then all of a sudden now he's in a situation where the church that he's launched and become he- huge has become more about his personality and him. And, and now he really doesn't want that. And he takes a radical uh, step of faith and he steps down, resigns from that church and then takes his family overseas. And he just begins uh, to just seek God. And here's what he says. Just, it's a simple line. He says, I wanted to live by faith and i want to tell you something i believe that is a missing element in the in the christian not the christian church the specifically the american christian church Mm -hmm. is that we've lost the essence of what it is to live by faith now for those of you that uh go to grace point you may have already be sick of hearing me share this story i was sharing this the other day with someone who i've been encouraging regarding taking steps of faith but our our family, collectively, and specifically me as a leader of our home, made a decision to step down from pastoring a church in Utah and move our family all the way to South Carolina with no promises, with no guarantees, with, with no um, paycheck coming. And it, it was a radical step of faith because we had to live by faith. We had to trust God to feed us, to pay our bills. And there were a lot of beautiful things that came out of that. Now, uh, I'm sure the girls will maybe not confess on this podcast, but I'm sure that they saw frustration in me or days where I was discouraged. But yet at the same time, it was a time of refreshing. And there's something beautiful about living by faith. What do you girls remember from that time? Do you have anything that God spoke to you during that time? Or do you agree with that? Or give me your take on that.
2: I think I really grew spiritually during that time. Like I always think we've moved so many times that I think what if we didn't move from South Dakota? Who would I be right now? What if I didn't move? What if we didn't move from Utah to South Carolina? Who would I be right now? And I look back and every time we moved, there's been a growth in character. Like I always think maybe if we just stayed in Utah, you know, maybe I would have gotten prideful, maybe I would have my spiritual life would have plummeted. I don't know, but moving to South Carolina, I really had a chance to let my faith grow and to act out what I had been taught all of these years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Gabrielle?
1: Um, even though it was scary and crazy and weird, it was a very exciting time and and um, I'm, I'm glad that we did it. So,
0: <laughs> What was your biggest takeaway during that time? Do you have one thing that stands out?
2: Uh, one thing was we were at a church where miracles happened all the time. And I prayed to see one and it, they happened all the time. And it was so amazing, like one lady, uh, she got prayed for one Sunday, nothing happened. That Wednesday she stood up and walked and she walked down the aisle of the church that Sunday. And that was such an amazing moment saying, wow, all these things I'm reading my Bible, they're legit, they're real. That person hasn't walked for 10 years and now they're walking. This is incredible.
0: It's something that uh, I wrestle with a lot because I believe in leadership books. I believe, you know, church growth books and things like that. You referred to me on this podcast. I refer that I listen to different podcasts and I think that's important. I think it's vital I want to be growing as a leader, but you know, it's interesting. There's some days I want to take all those leadership books. I want to take all those church growth books and I just want to throw it in a garbage can and pour gasoline on all of them and light them all on fire and to never see them again. And I just say, Lord, help me to live by faith. God help me to not trust in man's wisdom, man's plans, man's strategies. Help me to live by faith. And I encouraged our church out of that Hebrews chapter 11 of the day that, you know, when you read through that, all those men and women of faith, some of them didn't have a plan. They didn't have a strategy. They didn't have money. They didn't have finances. But the one thing that you cannot replace in this life is a radical faith in Jesus Christ. I will, I would take that more than anything. You know, if you gave me It's like going all the way back when I was a youth pastor. I remember one time there was a kid who was just an average musician, um, but he was such a great, had such a great spirit of worship. And I remember there's another kid who was super talented on the guitar, but he had such a shallow walk with Christ and was just not that interested. And I was like, you know what? Give me the kid that has faith any day over the kid who doesn't have faith. I will take that. And I think that's kind of what God wants too, is God's like, I want people of faith who will believe in me and trust in me, who maybe don't have it all together, don't have all the skills, all the talents, all the abilities, but they have faith. And it's amazing just how Francis Chan shared when he took that step of faith, when he began to live by faith, all of a sudden that released something new and powerful inside of his life. Girls, do you have anything else to touch on that thought before we move on?
2: I think we need to get used to taking more steps of faith and even in our everyday lives like doing something like going out of your comfort zone to pray for someone randomly, pray for someone on the street, pray for someone in Walmart, like do things that make you feel uncomfortable that you know are going to strengthen your spiritual life and they may seem kind of weird. But you know that you are taking a step of faith and that through that step of faith, God is going to be able to encourage you and strengthen you and
1: teach you to step out in faith more. Well, faith is my middle name, literally. <laughs> so hopefully I will actually live that out and I'll be faithful yes. and God.
0: I'm going to close on this thought for this particular podcast of letters to the church. I hope some things that we've said have encouraged you that have provoked thought and will provoke you to pursue Jesus more in your life. But the one thing I thought I'm going to leave on is that as Francis Chan took this step of faith and began to live by faith, um, then he moved on and he came, God called him back into the States and uh, he began planting churches and house churches and raising up leaders to facilitate and lead those churches. But the one thing that I, I thought he said was interesting is that he said, the strangest part about this season of my life is that my intimacy with God has been directly tied to my connection with the church. This is the element that I hope there will be a radical revival mm-hmm. in America is that there is a lo- a, a, a revival amongst believers in their love for the church and to realize that the greatest moves of God will only be will be will only be experienced in and through the church that's where God wants to move that's 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 the place that God moves most powerfully and I will stand on that and I will argue that till the day that I die that Jesus loves the church Jesus, the place he wants to move through is his church. And the place that Jesus moves most powerfully through is the church. And it's just so sad to me to see people disconnected from the church, people not in the church, people not serving the church. And I know I'm a pastor, okay? I get it. Like, well, that's your job. You know, that's that's how you get paid. And that's all you're going to talk about. And blah, 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 blah. But there is something powerful, and we're going to talk about it further in some of these other podcasts, biblical, about how when we are engaged with the church, we can experience the power of God. Girls, touch on that uh, in in your life.
2: Uh, Yeah, earlier you were talking about unity and how it makes you so sad when you see disunity in the church, and just wanted to comment that um, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane right before he was about to be crucified, he prayed. And one of the biggest things he prayed for was the unity and the church. And the devil is constantly trying to attack that because he knows there's so much power and unity because that's what Jesus specifically prayed for. And so that's so important. And the devil's constantly attacking that. And we need to pray against that because in unity, there's so much power.
0: Gabriel, final thought?
1: Um well, I'm not trying to offend anyone who wears these kind of shirts, but I don't really like those shirts that say I love my church because I feel like they're very selfish. It's like I love my church, like I don't love your church. I don't like I feel like they should say I love the church because no oh. matter what church <laughs> you go to, you should love that church. Even if you consider it like a competitor or something like churches are not your competitor. It's every church is God's church and God is moving and every will single church. So you should probably change your shirt to say, I love the church. So.
0: <laughs> we should end on that. That was so powerful. Hey, we're going to have some more segments. We're going to have at least eight, probably 10 segments on letters to the church. I hope these again, encourage you. If you haven't had a chance to join us, on Wednesday nights at Grace Point Church. I know some of you uh, listen to this podcast. You're not in Carthage, Missouri, but that's why we're providing this podcast. Check out the book, Letters to the Church. You can get it on Amazon, all those kind of things. This is not a paid promotion by any means, but I do appreciate what Francis Chan is speaking that truth, uh, the truths that he's speaking in that book. I think they're great and they're powerful. So uh, thanks, guys. We appreciate it, and we'll check you on the next episode. Talk to you later.